Tonight's reading is from Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 to chapter 4, verse 6. And it can be found on page 962 of the Church Bibles. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper, and even those who challenge God escape. Then those who feared the Lord talked of each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray as we start our time together. Father God, we thank you that we can look at your word to us. Help us now, give us open ears and soft hearts to receive what you have to say to us tonight. We ask this in your name for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, what is the point? Why even bother? I wonder if you've ever thought that. Maybe it's when you go on social media and you see the pictures of the new car or huge house that your old uni friends have just bought, or the photos of the luxury holiday that they've just been on. And you wonder to yourself, why do you bother giving to Christian causes or working in Christian ministry when you could have so much more? What's the point? Perhaps it's when you're catching up with your friends over coffee and they're talking about all their free time to spend with their friends, to get involved in sport, to go out in the evenings. And there you are thinking about the lie-in that you didn't have on Sunday morning and how you'll have to be at house group and at the midweek prayer meeting again and how you're going to have to miss out going out with your friends on Friday night because you're helping out with the youth work. What's the point? Why even bother? Maybe it's when you find yourselves at college and all around you are conversations about who's with who, about relationships, about sleeping around, and you feel like you stick out like a sore thumb. Is it worth it? Why bother living as a Christian? What's the point? Well, we've all been there in some form or another, haven't we? Now, hold on to that sense of frustration, 
of disappointment because in many ways that's exactly how God's people are feeling back in the time of the prophet Malachi. Tonight we're finishing off our series in the book of Malachi which we've been going through uh, over these past five weeks and this evening as this book comes to a close we're presented with two clear ways to live. The difference between the two couldn't be clearer. The two ways to live are either to fear the Lord or fear missing out. To fear the Lord or to fear missing out. You'll probably be familiar with the term FOMO, the fear of missing out. And it's a phrase that is common, increasingly common, as we are increasingly worried about missing out on something better. Whether it's the latest TV series, a new phone, or just a good catch-up that our friends are having without us. We hate to miss out on what other people are enjoying. And that's what we see here in Malachi 3 and 4. God's people have a serious case of FOMO. Each week so far in our series, we've seen a discourse, a going back and forth between God's people and God himself. Here we see that the people have been saying harsh words against God. The people, they disagree and they deny it. What words have we said against you? And God reveals what they have been thinking and saying. The people, his people, are starting to wonder whether or not it's worth serving him. They're wondering what the point is in obeying him. Verse 14, have a look. It's futile to serve God, they say. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? In the hearts, minds, and words of God's people, they are expressing their frustration. What's the point in serving God? They're expressing their disappointment. Why bother to obey God and confess our sin to him? They're serious things to say, aren't they? Really serious. So what's led these Israelites to this place? What's caused them to say such harsh words? Well, it stems from that frustration and disappointment that we were thinking about, which is rooted in FOMO, in the fear of missing out. In verse 15, we see it's God's unfairness, his seeming lack of justice against those who do wrong, which has got the people so frustrated and disappointed the extent that they're saying, what's the point? To help us uh, see what's going on here, I'd like you to turn to your neighbour just for a minute and to ask them a question, what's your favourite Disney movie and why? Just one minute, off you go. Okay, let's come back together. Now, whatever you said... In the movie, there will have been a baddie, a villain, an antagonist. And nearly always in those Disney movies, we'll see that the villain gets their comeuppance, gets what they deserve. Whether it's Captain Hook or Cruella de Vil, we know from those stories that the villains always get what's coming to them. And back in Malachi 4, verse 15, we hear about the arrogant and we expect that they will be humbled that they will be brought low. But instead, we see that the arrogant are blessed. Or how about evildoers? Surely they'll get what they deserve. The hurt that they caused, well, they'll have to suffer themselves. 
But again, what we see here is quite the opposite. Instead of suffering, evildoers prosper. Even those who challenge God will escape. You can see why God's people are saying, what's the point in serving God? Why bother obeying him in all this unfairness? Why be humble, do good, and fear God? When you can be arrogant, do evil, and challenge God, and not only get away with it, but seemingly enjoy life and all that it has to offer. They're the ones who are blessed. They're the ones who prosper, not us. We're missing out on what's best. God's people are looking around them at the world that had rejected God, and they want a piece of the action. As we move away from the Disney world to the real world, we see that this is the reality in our own lives as well. Our friends and colleagues who don't fear God, well, they seem to have the best of life. They're the ones who seem to have more. They're blessed. They prosper. Am I missing out, lugged with God and the church? We look at the pay rises. We look at the stuff, the relationships, the experiences, and we fear missing out on what the world is enjoying. The arrogant are blessed, the evildoers prosper, and challenges of God escape. Where's the justice, God? Why is there so much unfairness in your world? In a world like this, why should I bother serving a God who doesn't seem to be in control, who doesn't seem to care that those who ignore him are getting the best in life? God's people here say it's futile to serve God. There's nothing to gain. The dictionary definition of futile is incapable of producing any useful result. Pointless. So the people here are saying that serving God, obeying him, produces no useful result. It's pointless. And maybe that's where you're at this evening. Perhaps you wouldn't say it quite like that, and you probably don't imagine yourself in a full-on dialogue with God. But I'm sure we have all thought those things at some point. What's the point of trying to live distinctly as a Christian when I'm surrounded by people who do the complete opposite, the complete opposite, and yet seem to be living happy, full lives? As a Christian, why am I not blessed? Why don't I prosper? Why am I missing out? What's the point? Why bother with God? And that's one way to live with the fear of missing out. But then Malachi takes us to another scene, another part of God's people. Malachi takes us away from the complaining Israelites who are disillusioned with God for his apparent unfairness, and he takes us to those who fear the Lord. And that's a key difference. Instead of looking at the lives of others around them and how well they're doing in comparison to them, they are looking to God. This group in verse 16 are described as those who fear the Lord. They are the faithful remnant. These are the people who gather together to remind each other of God's character, of how he has kept his promises. They love, they love to meet and talk about how they can serve him and live for him. Now, throughout this book, we've been looking to find God's faithful people. 
But what have we seen? Well, we've seen a people who doubt God's love, who are half-hearted about God, unfaithful to God and to their families, and who are selfish in their giving. That's what we've seen each week. The Israelites had come out of exile in a foreign land, but it hadn't changed them at all. They are as faithless as ever. But here, here at long last, we see the faithful remnant, those who fear the Lord. And this is where we really start to see the rubber hit the road. The big underlying question in this passage is, is God worth it? And here we see the answer is a resounding yes. Is it futile to live for God? The answer, a definitive no. Why? Well, there are two key promises here that reveal to us just how worth it living for God really is. Why fearing God is so much better than the fear of missing out. The first promise is this. You're chosen and they're not. You're chosen and they're not. Here at last we see the faithful remnant, those who rightly fear the Lord, and so God orders that a scroll of remembrance be written. Those who honour God are honoured in return by having their name written in God's book. Those who serve God, who fear, trust and obey him are those he will be his treasured possession. Have a look at verse 17. The language is really beautiful. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, my special treasured possession. This was always the plan for God's people. Back in Exodus 19, God speaking to the Israelites says this, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the people's Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be, for, my, for me, a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. You see, God's people were always destined to be his chosen, his special, precious people, if they obeyed, if they feared the Lord. You were chosen, but they are not. Those who do not serve God, who do not fear him, they are not chosen, They are not that precious treasure to God. Malachi in verse 18 says, See the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not, between those who are chosen and treasured and those who are not. This is much more serious than kind of simply being left behind when the football teams are being picked. It's worth serving God because You are chosen by God, and they are not. The second big promise is a hard-hitting one, and actually it's really not easy to hear. God says to those who serve him, they will be forgotten. You will not. They will be forgotten. You will not. In chapter 4, we go from that beautiful picture of what it looks like to be chosen by God, and we go to the reality of what it looks like to be forgotten by him. Have a look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Did you spot there the arrogant and the evildoer were mentioned again, who we saw back 
in verse 15 of chapter 3, who looked like they were getting the most out of life and getting away with it. Who were the subject of uh, Israel's complaint to God, the subject of their FOMO. But here, the veil is lifted. And we see what's truly in store for those who do not fear God, who do not serve him. They will be burned. It's a vivid picture, isn't it? It's shocking. The picture is that of stubble. We're not talking about shaving. It's the leftover bits of crops that the harvest, uh, after the harvest has been taken in, the little stalks that were left after the cut of the sickle. Completely useless, good for nothing. And so they would be gathered up and burned. That farming picture is used to describe those who don't fear God. They will be burnt up. It's not so much referring to being physically burned in fire, but rather it's talking about how they will be completely forgotten, wiped out. I don't know if you're into researching your family tree. Maybe you've been able to trace uh, a few names back. My dad is, is he's really keen on the whole thing, much more keen than I am. Uh, and I remember once when we were visiting friends in Devon, and we had to stop off at a cemetery, as you do. So he could try and find the name of one of our great, great, great relatives. It's as boring as it sounds. And it was hard work. Some of the gravestones are broken, they're covered in moss or leaves or that yellow stuff, whatever that is. Some of the names are completely faded. But he was successful in the end, just about being able to read the name and the details of one of my distant ancestors. But here, here in regards to those who have rejected God, we see that there is nothing left. There's not even going to be a trace of their names. Not a root or a branch will be left. They will be forgotten completely and utterly. Malachi is opening our eyes to the reality of the situation. All those people you were envious of, look and see what is in store for them. See the desperate outcome for those who don't fear God. They look like they're prospering now, but they don't have anything. They look blessed now, but they are cursed. They look rich now, but they're bankrupt. They look popular now, but they will be forgotten. They will be forgotten, but you will not. You who fear the Lord will be remembered. There is hope as we unpack this promise. Verse 2. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stool. It's a picture of celebration, a real happiness, genuine joy. That is the future reality of God's true people who fear him. In complete contrast to that awful consuming fire, we see here the new creation, the glory of heaven. And we see that this brilliant future hope is for all those whose names are recorded in the scroll of remembrance. Verse 16, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. Unlike those who are completely wiped out and forgotten, those who fear the Lord are remembered 
forever and ever. For those who, in this life, bear the difficulties of serving God, of living for him, of being excluded for him, theirs is the sure hope that God will remember them and bring them into the real joy of eternal life. They will be forgotten, but you will be remembered by God. So if it feels like God isn't in control, or if he doesn't really care whether or not Christians struggle and non-Christians thrive, then look at these verses. Three times we hear the mention of the coming day, the day when all will be judged, the day when everyone will get what they deserve, to be chosen and remembered or utterly forgotten. And as we come to the conclusion of this book, I guess we're left with one question. Do you fear the Lord, or do you fear missing out? Where would you place yourself on that two ways to live? Well, if Malachi were to end there, then I think we'd be left feeling pretty uncomfortable. I know I would. We'd feel pretty uneasy, wouldn't we? Have I feared the Lord? Have I lived to serve him and obey him enough? Have I done that enough? Or have I been longing to live the life of the world around me more than I want to live for God? Can I be sure that my name is written in that book of remembrance? Am I ready for that day when all will be judged and get what they deserve? If Malachi ends there, then we go away tonight with a serious lack of confidence And the stakes are high, remember. This is the difference between being chosen and remembered and being completely forgotten, wiped out. Where do we go for that confidence? If we can't look to ourselves to rightly fear the Lord, as we should, then where do we go to find the hope that we so desperately need? Malachi ends his book with three final verses. And as we unpack these closing words, we're pointed to the hope and confidence that we're searching for. These verses link back to the big themes that we've seen throughout the whole of the book. In verse 4, we're called to remember the law, God's law, given to Moses, which we're to obey as we serve and fear the Lord. But in verse 5, we see a reference to Elijah who was another one of God's Old Testament prophets. But here Malachi isn't pointing us back to that Old Testament figure, but rather he's pointing us ahead to one who will fulfill Elijah's prophetic role of warning and preparing God's people. The Elijah figure is the one referred to back in chapter 3 and verse 1, where God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. This Elijah figure is pointing us then ahead to the New Testament, where in Matthew 11 we read, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? He said to the crowds. A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Malachi was writing about John the Baptist, the ultimate Elijah, the ultimate preparer of the way. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, we hear these words 
about John. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's almost word for word what we see in verse 6 of our Malachi passage. And again, we see here that John is very much fulfilling that role of the one who will prepare the people as he prepared the way. As he prepared the way for the Lord, for God's Son, for Jesus. 400 years on from Malachi, we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of the faithful remnant. He alone offers us that confidence and hope that we so desperately need the confidence and hope that we will never find in chasing after the things that we're missing out on in life. That we will never find in trying to be good enough for God ourselves. This confidence is found only in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus dying on the cross takes our faithlessness, our lack of fear for the Lord. He takes our sin And in its place, he offers us his perfect obedience, his perfect fear of the Lord. Going back to those questions, we found ourselves asking at the end of this passage, have I rightly feared the Lord? Well, we can say, no, I haven't. But Jesus has. Have I lived to serve and obey God? No, but Jesus has. Can I be sure that my name is written in God's book of remembrance? In our strength? Absolutely not. But in Jesus, we can be completely sure that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Am I ready for that day when all will be judged and get what they deserve? We can look forward to that day. We can look forward to it knowing that Jesus has taken what we deserve and given us the eternal life that we could never earn. We close this series, we close this testament, and we're driven to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He is the faithful remnant. He is the one who fears the Lord. He is all that God's people and Malachi failed to be. And he is the means by which we are saved. Jesus died so that we could be chosen. Jesus was forgotten so that we could be remembered. In Jesus, our names are in the Lamb's book of life. Without Jesus, we're nothing. Without Jesus, we will be forgotten. The things of this world that we can find ourselves afraid of missing out on, whether it's money, stuff, experiences, popularity, whatever it is, well, they grow faded and dim in comparison to Jesus, in comparison to being chosen by God in him, to being remembered for eternity in the Lamb's book of life. If you don't take anything else from this evening, or even from this series, take this. Jesus has done what you have failed to do, what I have failed to do. Go to Jesus Trust and believe in his name and you will be saved, chosen and remembered by God.
As we close, there really are only two ways to live. To turn your heart to Jesus or to ignore his offer and face total destruction. Repentance, leading to being a part of God's chosen, remembered people with a certain hope of a joyful eternity with him. Or to be forgotten and face utter destruction. There are only two ways to live. Will you go to Jesus? Let me pray. Lord God, we can get so caught up in all of the good things that this world seems to, have to, to offer us. We can get so caught up in what other people are enjoying. And we fear missing that out more than we fear living for you. Let this drive us to Jesus. The one in whom we can be remembered. The one in whom we are chosen as God's treasured possession. Help us to think on this this evening, this week, and in the future. Help us to go to Jesus. Amen.